0: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, my friends, I hope you had a wonderful weekend. It is good to be back at it here on this Monday. You can email me your thoughts and questions and feedback. Always adoration and praise. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can also text that to the Huff hotline or leave a message. You know we used to I, I need to get better at doing that. We uh, you can call. We don't take live calls currently. There's several reasons for that. Um but you can we sometimes we've played calls. If they're good enough, you can call in 317-210-2830. 317-210-2830. It doesn't matter where you are, you can call, you can text. We always enjoy hearing from you. You know, I was spending some time this weekend thinking a little bit, um, you know what I think it was? It's a compilation of things. Now, of course, you can't see this as I'm on, I'm behind the microphone here. We don't have my lovely face on the television screen. It's probably unfortunate, but actually I've got a face for radio, but this is a few several years old. This, um, I, I find it fascinating. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but this is a it's a map of the United States by county, and somebody at who did this? I want to give credit Colin Colin Woodard, and he calls them the eleven competing American nations. And so he's colored in counties. There's 11 what he calls nations. Um, For example, there is the Deep South. There is what he calls New France, which is in and around uh, New Orleans. There is the Far West, the Left Coast, what he calls Yankeedom, which is effectively the uh, the northern, you know, the northeast, and then the uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and, and Minnesota. Anyway, we are, well, I am in what he calls Greater Appalachia. Appalachia, I guess. And it's basically, it runs, if you can envision this, from Dallas, you know, basically most of Texas, up through the eastern half of Oklahoma, up through Arkansas, northern uh, northwest Arkansas, southeast Missouri, basically Illinois south of greater Chicago, and then um, all the way over to West Virginia and northern Georgia and Tennessee and that kind of part of the country. Anyway, as I was thinking about this, and I, you know, th- these things, I don't know what made this came to uh, come to mind over the weekend, um, but as I, I think about these things differently as we, Begin to gear up to travel and to syndicate, which again uh, we're putting the final touches on Salt Lake City, Denver, and Dallas. Um, and I'll just say this on the the program: we've we've got if if well we're um, we're just constantly trying to find ways to you know to reach more people, to reach more people, and if you have things that you want to do or think just you can contact us through those methods I gave you earlier. And there's, I got no pre- preconceived ideas. I'm just saying, if you've got something, if you want to help us uh, reach more folks, I don't even know what that would look like, but <clears throat> there are definitely things that um, will help as we begin to embark on this, on this trip and so forth, this journey. But anyway, so I'm thinking about this, looking at the country and I try to think about this in terms of how different people look at things differently. And, you know region of the country I think is part part of it um, certainly how you were raised you can be a conservative in in Los Angeles or San Francisco it's it's much less common but you can be just like you can be a liberal um, in I don't know uh, Salt Lake City I guess anyhow point is I was thinking about this this weekend and I'm I'm One of the things we've talked about recently that is just not set well with me is this stupid Inflation Reduction Act, which I feel like I'm lying to you every time I even say the name of that piece of legislation because it does not do what it is stated to do. It does not reduce inflation. And I feel like I am perpetrating some sort of fake news by simply uttering the name of this stupid, ridiculous piece of legislation, which is full of really terrible things. And one of the really terrible things is that it effectively, technically more than doubles the size of the IRS. Now, if you read and you hear explanations, what they'll say is within the next six years, I think it is, there's a large number of people who are apparently going to be retiring from the IRS. We'll, of course, see if that actually happens. Um, I'm not aware of any business that has to double its size to deal with people who are going to retire over the next six years. That seems like a rather absurd way to deal with it, if you ask me. But anyway, no one's ever accused the government of using sense to begin with. But, so this is, this is a concern, and it should be a concern of all, of all Americans. Now, It's not. It's clearly not for many people. And that's why I'm thinking about the country at large. I'm thinking about people in my part of the the country, people in the deep south, people even in Middle America, even even out west, who, of course, you know, these are independent minded people. They like liberty. They I mean they respect their I respect, I love the government as founded. I don't love the idea of government, but when you think of the idea and the principles upon which this nation was founded, it's a beautiful thing. It's a limited government that keeps power and liberty uh, with people. And But as you think about how people respond to these things, there are certain people on the left who, of course, thinks that doubling the size of the IRS is actually a good thing. In fact, they say let's go after these folks who haven't been Paying taxes. And I have made abundantly clear that, yeah, again, the the left is notorious for this. Sometimes it's because the average leftist doesn't have a clue what he or she is talking about. Sometimes it's because they've subconsciously swallowed the talking points without putting up much of a fight or much desire to get to the truth. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it could be any number of things. But this is this is not a good thing. And you've seen the numbers, or you've heard people talk about this. There's not enough millionaires and billionaires to uh, solely be the focus of who's going to get targeted by these new IRS agents. Again, I am not in favor of evading taxes. I'm not defending people that do anything of the sort. But this is how it's framed. This is how the left likes to frame it. And it's one of the erroneous ways that it's framed. If you've got, they'll say, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. And I was thinking about this over the weekend, and I thought, and I know, I'm going to probably get in trouble for this. I didn't even run this by Oz. But I'm going to say it anyway, because honestly, I think it's true. And I don't really, I don't care about the repercussions, because I think it, I think it's true. Now, it's not a perfect analogy, But it's one that I think illustrates the point. So, in the wake of Roe versus Wade being overturned by the Supreme Court, there's been states, including this state, Indiana, that has passed law. Actually, Indiana is the first to actually have passed a new law. There's been other states that had laws that went into effect automatically that limit abortion. Some states are virtually outlawing it. Others are restricting it very seriously as as Indiana did. I know there's criticisms of that and I, I don't want to get into that at the moment. That's not the point of saying this. But the point is is that many forms of abortion are now illegal in the wake of Roe versus Wade. And so arguing for there to be an excessive number of IRS agents and then saying to people who who have a problem with this, people who are law-abiding who want to pay their taxes who believe that the government should get some. I mean, taxing taxes are a fundamental way that governments operate. And that's, no one's saying, well, very few people are saying no taxes. That's, of course, completely impossible. But we're saying a reasonable amount of taxes. And we have so far eclipsed that, my friends. We are nowhere near... The world, the word, uh, the world of being reasonable when we're talking about the number of taxes that people pay. We've hit all-time revenue. It's a regular occurring or recurring thing where we've hit all-time revenue highs in this country, and we're going to continue uh, continue to do that because and not even make a dent in the deficit. In fact, we're going to add to the deficit because the problem is spending the problem is spending and so and so people who say don't worry about it there's nothing to worry about if you're being you know following the law and all these sorts of things just pay your taxes first of all that's incredibly simplistic for starters the idea the tax code i'm going to go through this in the program as it unfolds but the the length of the tax code is millions of words and that's before you get to the irs rules so just that's for starters secondly there's this new phenomenon that's happened in the era of people being woke that says even if you pay your taxes and you take certain deductions you are not patriotic because you didn't pay some arbitrary fair share, whatever the world that's supposed to mean. I have no idea. Nobody knows what it means. They just like to say it because it sounds like people don't love their country. If they don't pay quote unquote, their fair share of taxes. Well, when they put these so-called loopholes into the law, my friends, if you take advantage of a, of a deduction, it is by definition, a loophole. Those were put there intentionally. Now, We can have a discussion as to whether that's the way the tax code should be created and so forth, but that's not, that's really not at issue here because it's there to be used. And now if you use tax loopholes, as they call them, certain tax deductions or tax breaks, or you get clever with your money, as every person should be, by the way, um, you're Again, attacked in that manner. And the IRS, if they just have a question about something, it doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. The IRS can still begin the investigation. And for many people, for small businesses, for people who are maybe in growth mode, maybe who don't have teams of attorneys and accountants who are doing their level best, simply being investigated and audited can cause massive massive problems for that individual, for that family, for that for that company. And so that's what is concerning to me. It's not because I don't want people who are breaking the law to face the consequences. It's not because I want um you know to stick it to the IRS or anything. I mean, I, we do have <laughs> Again, taxes are way too high and all that kind of stuff. But the issue is there can be legitimate mistakes. That's number one. Everyone that is under audit by the IRS is not some guilty criminal, and that is the assumption. And it still costs these people who face these audits. And it's going to happen to people who have fewer and fewer resources to combat it, to fight it, to navigate it it's just simply going to happen the numbers are there to where there is no way possible that they're only targeting the millionaires and the billionaires among us which i'm not condoning that either by the way i'm not condoning that at all so we can be pro pro pro-law we can be in favor of the law being enforced while also being concerned of the steps and the methods and the tactics being used to enforce said law or to catch perpetrators um, from wrongdoing. Oftentimes, wrongdoing they're not even aware of. In fact, I'll draw your attention to a term we're going to talk about throughout the program. This idea of breaking a law that's simply a process crime. It's one thing if you break a law that's against nature's you know, nature's laws and the laws of morality, right? If you murder, if you are to do some violent, aggressive, proactive crime, not something in self-defense, but something that's a actual crime, we know in our conscience, we know in our conscience, my friends, that those things are against the moral law because that's how God made the universe to work. The conscience is a powerful thing. When you're talking about process crimes, that is something altogether different, You don't necessarily know the way that some bureaucrat or some IRS regulator in Washington, D.C. has said that the system is going to work on page 1273, subsection A, paragraph 2, right? And that becomes a legitimate problem and concern. So I want to make an analogy, and I want to talk about process crimes. I want to talk about the idea of having, I mean, effectively – well, we're, a police state. I mean, is this is this really the only alternative if you believe in all, law and order to where you want to double the size of the group of people who are responsible for generating revenue off the backs of hardworking Americans, especially in the midst of a recession, which we are in no matter what these jokers try to tell you. It is absolutely true we're in a recession. Is that really what we want to do? Especially when... For many of these uh, so-called tax crimes, it's simply being confused and not knowing. There's accountants that will give you different answers to some of these questions. Absolutely true, my friend. So I want to talk about this here today. It's captured my interest, especially as I was thinking about why people are not more concerned about the growth of government. In particular, the growth of a government agency that I question, it's... (laughs) I I question it to begin with. I I just, I always have. This is not the way that the founders envisioned taxation working in this great nation, for good reason, I'll tell you. Um, But here we are. Here we are, and now they're wanting to grow, to grow this even further. And I think it's a massive, massive mistake. I think it's very, very dangerous. And I think everybody listening to my voice should really envision themselves facing an IRS audit because it is going to happen to somebody maybe many somebodies hearing my voice, many more somebodies than usual, I should say, hearing my voice today. So sit tight, my friends, timeouts in order. We're going to come back and continue this conversation. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. I'm back, my friends. So talking about the this legislation, this legislation, the stupid Inflation Reduction Act and Of all the terrible things in this, which are of course are really too numerous to count, one of the biggest problems is the massive growth, the doubling of the IRS. Which I understand. I understand. Supposedly, the intention is to replace these individuals who are in their retirement years or approaching their retirement years with with the new uh, individuals. Which still seems still seems uh, strange to me because that is. Again, you don't double the size of something to do, to deal with retirement over the next six years. That just doesn't seem very efficient. Or what have they been doing the rest of uh, all these other years? So, but I said before the break, I, I alluded to an analogy that I would like to make to a leftist who doesn't concern themselves with the um, with the growing size of the IRS. And so this is going to rub some people the wrong way, and I don't mean it. To run anyone the wrong way, I just think that this needs to be considered because the idea is okay we have we have legislation there are laws about the tax code and how what you have to pay taxes on you should follow it I'm not I'm not arguing for anything else I'm other than it needs to be made dramatically less complicated because again, there are millions hear me say this millions of pages and that's before you even get to the IRS rules, which aren't even codified. Codified, They are a list of rules that has been basically delegated to the IRS via Congress, and the IRS can make up another bazillion rules. So it's definitely a goldmine for the IRS to find ways that people uh, are, are violating or maybe doing things with taxes they had they don't even know that they're doing. In fact, who is the philosopher that says the only thing uh, that happens when you make more laws is that you have more more criminals. I think that that's a very true thing, especially when we're talking about process crimes. These are not crimes that break the moral code. Stealing clearly breaks the moral code, the cor- moral code, but if you don't know what you're that you're doing something wrong to to not pay your fair share, as some would say then, again, there's a problem there. And how and how can all of that fall upon the average taxpayer who's not surrounded by teams of attorneys and teams of accountants? So I think in a similar way, imagine if you're pro-choice, imagine if you're in a state like Indiana that has either had a an automatic law go into effect or a law like Indiana had that was passed that restricts, abortion. Um, but it, it's not, again, the tax code is is there. The tax code is basically more or less, I mean, it, it changes obviously from time to time, and especially when you look at the bureaucratic stuff, but the IRS rules and so forth. But you get, it's more or less generally not had any massive changes recently. So the law hasn't changed. What they're trying to change is the enforcement of the law or how they go about uh, catching people that are breaking the law, violating the law. In many instances, I would maintain out of ignorance. And in many cases, not even violating the law, simply having to endure an audit, a federal government audit via the IRS, for no purpose other than someone was looking to justify their job or had a minor suspicion, and what are you going to do about it pretty much? So, But imagine if you're pro-choice, you're in a state like Indiana or another state that has restricted abortion or perhaps ver- done everything uh, virtually just shy of making it illegal altogether. So it's not the fact that the, you know that law is in place, the Indiana abortion law is in place, just like the tax code is in place. So the issue is on the issue of enforcement. So flooding the, uh, the economy, flooding the economy with people to enforce IRS, IRS tax code would be akin to flooding um, the private lives of citizens to make sure that the abortion law was enforced properly. So imagine, if you will, the IRS, the IRS says, hey, I think that you've done something here in your taxes. that looks suspicious. I'm going to perform an audit. Now, it's not like going to a criminal trial, my friends. This is, if they say they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Good luck stopping them. You can try, but all this takes time, effort, expertise, and the truth is you're only going to get it to stop if you can demonstrate to them, prove to them that you didn't do anything wrong. The burden of proof lies upon the taxpayer. There's so many things wrong with this. But imagine... Imagine if we took the same approach with abortion. Imagine what the pro-choice crowd would say if we said, Look, we, the government, no, not me, not me, the government, the the, the holier than thou government who never makes any mistakes and is there simply to take care of us and to make decisions on our behalf that we are too stupid to make and that they are just ever so qualified to make. They have a list of suspects of people who may be most likely to have an abortion. They don't even know if they're pregnant, but I think they're going to go and start investigating and just make them prove that they're not pregnant or at risk of getting an abortion. This, again, not a perfect analogy, but that approach and mindset, i by the way, I have a problem with <laughs> that too, just to be clear, massive problem with that. Um, the point is though, the point is when it comes to collecting larger tax revenues, many people on the left who are liberal, whatever, again, they take this ridiculous position that says if you're not guilty, you don't have anything to hide. It's just it's like saying, again, I know that it's commonly accepted that if someone takes the fifth, in fact, Trump recently took the fifth a lot of times, but again, that's that's to, to make a point. Um, once you take the fifth, I mean, that's pretty much, you have to stay with the fifth. You can't answer the things you want to answer and not the others. So if they keep asking you questions after you've taken the fifth, if they ask you 500 questions. You have to invoke the fifth 500 times. Anyway, the point is, the point is that, um, it's commonly said or believed that if you take the fifth, you don't, answer questions, um, that you're guilty. A lot of people think this. And I, again, that's an erroneous way of thinking. I understand, I understand the general thought that says, man, you got nothing to hide. But the problem is, the problem is, is that something you say can get you in another bind. Even if you've done nothing wrong, you've heard about people who have confessed to things they've never even done before this is not some unheard of experience the truth is nothing good <laughs> nothing good can come from talking with authorities if you're the target of an investigation they're just it just isn't going to be that way i know we've got law enforcement people but attorneys i mean attorneys are going to generally agree with those sentiments. Just like they generally agree that the defendant shouldn't take the stand. That's not to be construed as the fact that they're guilty. It just means that if they put themselves in that position, then something far worse can come out, or it could appear to be worse simply by a type of interaction they had or the way that they answered a question. There's very little that someone can do to make it better. It's often the case better not to step in at all. And so... Anyway, these are important principles, precepts, foundations in this country. And I think what's happening here with the IRS being swelled to a massive size is a dangerous thing, a very dangerous thing that is going to affect people with much smaller uh, taxable incomes than what the... Government is telling us what are they saying? Anything under 400,000 isn't going to be affected. It's just simply not going to be the case. They've run the numbers. It's obvious it's going to impact people with much, much lower revenues because there's more there's more taxpayers that have those lower revenues and they can collect more money if they collect it from more people than if they just target a few people with higher incomes. So, long in this segment, gotta take a break, my friends. Sit tight, listen to conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in mere moments. Welcome back, my friends. Some of you may have been yelling at your radio or podcast device or computer, wherever you listen to this wonderful program, because you were saying, Todd, the person who said that was Lao Tzu. And you're right. He said... The more laws are written, the more criminals are produced. I was just telling Oz behind the the microphone here during the break. This is, you know, if, if there's if there's not a law, let's say if there's not a law against, specific law against a certain violent act, a certain type of a violent act where you physically harm somebody, but there's not a specific law that says you can't, I don't know, I can't even think of what it might be, but let's just say that, falls under a general umbrella, but it's not specified you know, verbatim in some sort of a criminal code. We still have the benefit of our conscience that says that's an evil act. If, for example, the law says you can't hit someone with a hammer, but you grab another device, another tool, another implement, or what have you, and the law doesn't specify that exactly or specifically... The idea is still true that that is a violation of the moral code which came from almighty God himself. And so there's another there's a fail safe. But if there's a law that says you got to file form 12345 by some arbitrary date and you don't have that information and you don't know that that information exists that doesn't violate your conscience. Now, if you're trying to defraud the IRS or to you know, tax evade and do things illegally, then that's a different story. You're proactively trying to do that. But if you're just minding your own business and you're violating a process crime, um, I side with Lao Tzu here who says the more laws are written, the more criminals are produced. And that's not because we're truly criminals. That's because we there's more opportunity to violate laws because there's more of them. And in, in fact, there's so many. It, it's akin to. I actually watched the debate the other day, or a bit of a debate between. I think it was. I think it was Jordan Peterson and some. I don't know who the other guy was. The other guy, of course, lost. But the other guy was saying that you know using people's pronouns is not that big of a deal, and he uses a cell phone uses a cell phone to denote in the contact um, if this person wants to be. What is it, Z or Z or they or them or he she? Whatever it is, and he just acts like that's no, like that's no big deal. Um, I beg to differ. First of all, because he asked Jordan Peterson, "How do you remember names?" I'm thinking, I don't go back to my cell phone if I see somebody. I've, I really try to remember people's names. Sometimes I fail, and if I forgot it, I would probably say, "You have to remind me." of your name, please, right? And that's... People are usually understandable or understanding about stuff like that. But I don't consult my cell phone. What is he, taking pictures of people and putting them in there and studying this at night? I just, I don't understand this. But the point is, the reason you have to have some method of keeping notes is because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for some person who's a... You can look at and see is a man for that person to say that they go by sheer her, Now, I'm going to get... Somebody fired up about this, and uh, I mean, you again. You don't have that concern innately in just living about living life in accordance with the laws of nature, because that is the way that it works. So he's saying you need to have a, your phone out, and I guess making notes in there on every person. This person's a wolf. This person thinks it's a piece of he or she's a piece of furniture or whatever it is, whatever wherever we're going next. And the problem is, the same is true with these laws. The same is true with process laws. If there are laws about things that violate the moral code, they're easy to understand because of our conscience. We won't break them if we're following our conscience, whether we know the law or not. If it is a process crime, and we don't fill out Form 123 or whatever it is, on time or meet the deadline, and no one told us or we didn't understand, which happens all the time, my friends, then that is a much different different animal, and the more of those that you make, inevitably you're going to have more and more people violated and I've got something i want to share with you i've I've referenced it briefly um throughout the program today, but just how how big is the u s tax code Heritage foundation did a did some re- well no, I'm sorry not heritage the tax foundation did some research into this. And it's going to boggle, well, I think it'll boggle your mind. It boggles my mind to think about this, how many times bigger than the Bible that this is. It's a massive undertaking. The idea that this is no big deal and that everybody's just perfectly in compliance and not risking any, uh, you know, audit is beyond naive, my friends. Quick time out here. Talk about that when we get back in just a minute. (laughs) Welcome back, my friends. This is a little dated because this goes back to twenty twelve, I believe. Actually the article was written in twenty fourteen. Tax Foundation written by Joseph Bishop Hinchman, talking about the sheer size and scope of the tax code. So according to well, according to his analysis, again this is eight eight years ago, but I think it actually goes back to two thousand ten or 2012's numbers, excuse me. Um, The tax code itself, the literal statutes that Congress has passed, is 2,652 pages. Now, that doesn't sound too awful bad. It sounds like a lot, but it's something that someone could be an expert in. It's in two books. One book's about 1,400 pages. The other's about 1,250. And there's about a million words in that. By the way... The King James Bible, he points out, is just shy of 800,000 words. War and Peace runs at about 560,000. And the entire Harry Potter series is just over 1 million words, according to this particular article. But that's not all of it. That's not all of it because, as I mentioned earlier, and as he points out in this article, a lot of this, the stuff that we have to know the stuff that we're held accountable for is included, well, is in IRS regulations. So in 2012, there were around 9,000 pages, which comes up to roughly 4 million words. And I made a statement earlier that I'm going to have to fact check myself and say I needed to edit this because I said the tax code, I mean, I... There's changes, you know. I'm not saying that there weren't any changes, but there's not massive undertakings. But given the sheer size and scope of this of this thing, there's still when you factor that in, even though there might be not be a complete overhaul, um, the the tax code changed almost five thousand times from 2001 to 2012, which is an average of about once a day. That's almost well, no. That's dramatically less uh, than the number of illegal immigrants that have come into this country since Biden's administration began. Did you see that? Five million people. Five million people in... I did the math earlier. I got it somewhere. But anyhow, since he's, he came into office, which is insane. Five, and you know that that number is low. That's the other thing. Anyway, getting back to the tax tax, lo, uh, tax law here. There's even more to it than the IRS regulations. Because as the tax foundation points out um it's statutes, it's regulations and it's actual case law because you have to know how a particular case impacts how a particular rule is interpreted and applied what that means to the actual Uh, original law that was passed and how that should be applied in our, well, in 2022. Might have changed since 2016, 2014, whatever. So when you factor all of those in, all of those things, all those things together, comes out to be 70,000 pages. And yet that factors in notations, after each statute containing relevant cases and other information. So 70,000 pages. Now, he's used the number 450 words a page. I don't know if it would apply to that part, but if it did, I did the math, and it's like 31-some-odd-million words, which is getting close to 35 or 40 times uh, the length of the Bible, or 30... 30 times the length of Harry Potter, the Harry Potter series. So to act like this is not complex, to act like there's, there's no risk or danger in doubling the size of the people who are enforcing all this nonsense, do you think they even know? There's just, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. It is inconceivable to the human mind for anyone to begin to come close to understanding that stuff. And that's kind of the point. And so when it's so massive and so just something we can't wrap our heads around, it can be it can be misapplied. It can be applied selectively. People can use it to target individuals. And that, my friends, unfortunately, is a real risk. Timeout's in order. Sit tight, my friends. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. About out of time. I just wanted to say in closing here. Biden's been in office 578 days, nearly 5 million illegal aliens have entered this country that they know of or think that they know of in that amount of time. That's about 8,650 a day, which fills an NBA arena every couple of days. So anyway, just wanted to share that with you. Wanted to take a moment too in the waning seconds here, to welcome one of our newest advertisers in Indianapolis, Alpha Omega Wellness, Dr. D. Bonnie. It's been a pleasure to get to know him. What they are doing is really cool, building um, a facility to help with your health and wellness in Indianapolis, so on the south side. So I've got to go, folks. SDG, see you tomorrow. Take care.